Welcome to the Passion and Purpose Podcast. I'm Dr. Adam Sheck, and I'd like to thank you all for being here. During these podcasts, I share my thoughts and my approaches for creating more passion and purpose in our lives, personally and professionally. And I also interview experts and thought leaders in the community about how they cultivate passion and purpose. Today, though, I'm going to share my thoughts about Valentine's Day, which is certainly an occasion that triggers many people, whether they're in a relationship currently or whether they're single. And I'm titling it, St. Valentine was a martyr. Are you? I'll also share a very powerful exercise for couples to connect on a deeper level. And finally, I'll talk about living together versus getting married, as this topic seems to be very active with my current clients and in social media. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, the Passion and Purpose podcast is really near and dear to my heart, and let me share just a little bit about myself. I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm licensed in the state of California, and I've worked as a psychotherapist, a couples counselor, and a relationship coach since 1991. And I work with my clients both in my office in Los Angeles as well as around the world through the virtual uh, beauty of Skype and telephone. My areas of expertise are in supporting my individual clients and finding their passion and purpose in their lives and in helping committed couples reignite the passion in their relationships. So to find out more about me, you can go to my main website, thepassiondoctor.com, And if you're serious about transformation and would like to schedule a complimentary consultation, you may call me at 323-487-1140. That's 323-487-1140. So let's get started. I I titled this podcast, St. Valentine Was a Martyr. Are you? Or maybe it should be don't be. Valentine's Day, it's just around the corner. It's next week, uh, currently on on this podcast, and Hallmark is going to make a killing, as usual. This is about business. This is about commercialization. It's about a holiday that uh, is relatively new. But do you really even know what it's about? What, what, what the derivation, where it came from? Because the truth is, there are a number of Valentines over the the millennia, who were martyred and became saints. So, Valentine's Day is probably not so much about one of them anymore, though martyrdom is uh, a topic that I work with in in relationship coaching all of the time with individuals as well as couples. There's usually a martyr. There's usually someone that takes it on. There's usually a victim. There's usually a a perpetrator. These, these are roles that we switch and take on from, from our families, from our histories. But Valentine's, it can be used this day, just as New Year's can be used as a way to remember, to, to set goals, to, to reinvent yourself, to recreate. Valentine's can be used as a reminder, a reminder for yourself and a reminder for your beloved to remember you are special, they are special, your relationship is special. Whether you're in a relationship with someone or not, your relationship with yourself is special. So of course, don't just use the holiday, don't just use the day, February 14th, 
use the other 364 days of the year too to be special, to remember you're special, to share that specialness with the world and with your beloved. I'm going to do my best not to be too cynical about the manipulation of our feelings by big business, but that happens. Let's be real. It happens. I want you to be clear that you don't have to buy into it, or at least you don't have to buy totally into it. So don't be a martyr in your relationship. Don't martyr your partner. Don't get in this one-up position, this over-functioning, under-functioning position. Be partners. Create an interdependence, not a dependence, not an independence, not a codependence, not a counterdependence, but an interdependence, a true partnership. Express your love. Express your appreciation. Express your feelings as often as you can. Don't take any of it for granted. Don't take your partner for granted. Don't take the relationship for granted. If you're suffering in your relationship, you can do something about it. If you are inflicting pain upon your partner, you can do something about it. Use Valentine's Day as a wake-up call. Use this occasion not to spend lots of money and create artificial environments that you don't sustain the rest of the year, but use it as a wake-up call to create freedom in your relationship. Use Valentine's to declare your love and your intention to be even more loving. That's my message today on Valentine's. That's my message. And it may not be as romantic a, a message as flowers and candies and cards and fancy dinners and gifts. But that's romance, which is sustainable if you work on it. We're talking about deep connection, deep love, deep intimacy as well. Romance is an important part, no question. But it's the commitment to something longing laster, uh, lasting longer than that one day, that one Valentine's Day, committing to living that romance, that passion, that intimacy, that love every day. Express your appreciation for your partner every day. And that's my my segue to actually share an exercise that I give to all my couples. And I've been working with couples for almost 25 years now, uh, live in my office in LA, as well as online. Amazingly, Skype and telephone are really effective in supporting couples and having a a deeper, more intimate life too. But let me share this appreciation exercise because candy and flowers will go only so far. Sometimes words, and I'm not the most verbal man to be honest, sometimes words are necessary. So this is an exercise in appreciation. And appreciation and gratitude are really fundamental qualities of long-term successful relationships. Appreciation and gratitude are are fundamental qualities of a long-term sustainable life of passion, joy, and love for you, whether you're in a relationship or not. But this is an exercise for couples. You can use this with friends as well, with family members, to create more connection, to generate more positive interaction, because the the fundamentals behind this really are that uh, John Gottman, Dr. John Gottman, a a marriage researcher uh, up in in, uh, Washington in Seattle, really uh, studied thousands of of healthy couples and long-term couples and discovered that 
um, when couples have a, a five to one ratio of positive to negative interactions, five positive interactions for every one negative interaction, they tend to have long-term relationships, long-term marriages, long-term connections. When there's less than that, divorce, he can predict with really uncanny accuracy. So this exercise is about building more positive connection in that way to up that five to one ratio because maybe you're one to one now or maybe you're one to five the other way, but you need to start somewhere. So this exercise is an appreciation and gratitude, which is really challenging for us. And that might be because as kids we were, uh, I know I was, but uh, maybe we were exposed more to criticism than to compliments by our caregivers. And we knew perhaps on some level that our parents loved us or we hoped that they did, but we didn't hear it from them enough or we didn't hear it from them in the way we needed to hear it. And perhaps your current relationship is in the same boat. Perhaps you have a sense or know or fantasize that your partner loves you, but they have a hard time letting you know. Or you might have a hard time letting them know. So this exercise is really one that can help to heal this issue. It's short, it's simple, it's sweet. shouldn't take more than three or five minutes to, to do it. And I recommend that you work up to doing it every day with your partner. And what you'll do, it's an exercise in appreciation. It's... Uh, it's straightforward. It is, you'll come up with three things about your partner, three, three things that they've done each day that you appreciate. And take it one day at a time. You'll take turns sharing these three things with your partner and end each one by saying thank you. And then when you've, you've said your item, your partner will mirror it back. They'll repeat the words of appreciation back to you word for word so that you feel heard. And they'll complete it with your welcome. So example would be... Um, I might say uh, to a partner, what I appreciate about you is that you made me lunch today. Thank you. And they would mirror back. What you appreciate about me is that I made you lunch today. You're welcome. And then my partner will share something they appreciate about me and I'll mirror it back and we'll take turns to get the the three appreciations in. And um, it's a simple, straightforward exercise, but it will generate an incredible amount of goodwill. And I've, I've shared this with thousands of couples over the years. And, and really, um, some of them will use an excuse. And you may buy into this too and say, oh, we're really good about telling each other what we appreciate already. And yet they also come to me because they say they feel taken for granted or that they have poor communication issues. So it really needs to be verbalized. Don't be lazy about this exercise because you will not get a result. If you formalize it, if you practice it consistently, I guarantee you, you will get a major impact, a major result of connection and and warm feelings in your relationship. And that might be something to go a long way into rekindling the relationship and reigniting the romance. Because it's not about Valentine's Day. It's not about just one day. It's about all the days of your life that you're committed to. That's my my take on on St. Valentine was a martyr, don't be, and an exercise in appreciation. Uh, The next thing I'd like to to discuss is the concept of living together or getting married. And I do, do premarital counseling a lot with couples and see a lot of couples before they choose to cohabitate as well. And people ask me all the time, and I'm seeing a lot of it in social media as well, Should we live together or get married? 
you know, I've been trained as a psychologist and as a couples counselor and, and coach to explore questions first before I give an answer to people because it's really what they believe about it. What do you believe about living together, cohabitating? What do you believe about getting married? Um, and it's interesting because the research um, really shows that couples who live together before they get married tend to have a higher divorce rate than couples that get married and don't live together. And no one's really clear about why that is. And I have no big moral judgment, value judgment on this. Some people um, have religious uh, overlays on this, on what they do and what they're willing to do. I'm good with all of it. To me, though, the issue is really one of commitment. What's your commitment to the relationship? This is what I always ask couples. It's a critical question. And what's behind your commitment to live together? which quite often, not always, but quite often the decision to live together is a much different commitment than the commitment of marriage. Quite often, and this is a generalization again, not true for everybody, but I'm a big believer in the 80-20 rule. So probably 80% of people that choose to live together, the commitment to live together isn't often that much of a commitment. I live in Los Angeles. The commitment to buy a house together is a tremendously bigger commitment than living together. I'm kidding, but it's true. It's tongue-in-cheek, but there's a grain of salt in that. The commitment to live together, generally speaking, is a test. It's an experiment. It's kind of, let's see if we can get along together before we make a real commitment. Some refer to it as a trial marriage, but it's really a different kind of commitment than marriage for the majority of people. And again, as I said, the majority of people, for some It's the same commitment. It's solid. It's to forever. It's to working through whatever it is. But in general, marriage is about making the commitment to building a life with this person. Whether you like them every day or not, whether they're in a good mood every day, whether they meet your needs every day, it's about a commitment to building a life. It's about a commitment to being a true partner, to having their back through thick and thin. It's about seeing the big picture about remembering why you're together for the long haul, even when the day-to-day ride is bumpy. It's having that superordinate goal of why you're together. It's about what you choose to give to the relationship, much more than what you expect to receive it in it. And it's about, I've, I've written and talked about that over and over. Relationships are about what you choose to give, not what you get to receive. You need to keep the balance of the flow of going in that. It's so critical. Um, It's about working through the problems that come up because you remember that you made a commitment as opposed to this is uncomfortable, I think I'm done. So honestly, in in my experience in in working with many, many, many married couples as well as cohabitating couples as well as in all stages of it, honestly, nothing can prepare you for the commitment of marriage, for the commitment to the long haul, for that commitment to the forever whatever forever means in this world. But we know that the trial marriage, statistically, not a great indicator of marriage success. Higher rate of divorce. The majority of cohabitators either break up or marry within two years. The risk of divorce after living together is 40 to 85% higher than the risk of divorce after not living together. And these are different studies with a, a wide range, but statistically higher risk and being married the odds are not in in your favor there either that's why working with a professional is so important when you're facing those challenges but 
cohabitating first seems to stack the odds against. Those who live together before marriage are almost twice as likely to divorce than those who don't live together first. And again, why is this? Why? There are many theories, and theories are simply a lie in search of the truth. But personally, I think there are a few pieces to it. Uh, First of all, most of us are not perfect. We have flaws. We have fears. We have parts of ourselves we hide from the world, parts we're not so proud of. And that causes some of us an amount of shame, of guilt, of of misgiving. Uh, it hits our self-esteem, our self-worth, our desirability, our lovability. Am I lovable? Am I deserving of love? And of course, a lot of this is unconscious. Some of it may be conscious. And often these deeper issues really don't come up in a living together situation. Or if they do, they're not as strong as when they're committed to marriage. Uh, there's just something in the unconscious in the psyche that we feel safe enough when we've committed to marriage to forever, uh, in theory at least, uh, that it lets our guard down, it lowers our defenses, and it lets our shadow, our dark side, come out more fully. And only then is our partner uh, hopefully prepared to face and accept the side of us without turning and running in the other direction. This is where the strong commitment is needed. This is where... We can use a relationship, as I advocate, as a tool for healing, for growth, for each other. So there's this piece that all of us doesn't come out. There's not that full intimacy until there's a a full commitment, whatever that looks like. And for many people, it looks like marriage, Um, which, of course, is also in our our psyche over the, the generations and millennia. The second piece, the second piece, I think, is the fact that uh, we're humans, And as human beings, we have a neural network that grooves in there certain patterns, and truly we're creatures of habit. And when we live together with someone, we develop certain habits of relating and certain mindsets and certain habits of communication and certain habits of being. And often we'll develop these habits of me and you and mine and yours, and we develop habits of my way. And we develop habits of your way and mindsets of I'm right and you're wrong and it's your fault or it's my fault. And these are really difficult things to change once we marry and commit to forever, to commit to an ours as opposed to a yours. So conversely, when we make that commitment to marriage, without the habits of living together, we build up habits of us, of the partnership, of together forever. And we might work just a little bit harder to sustain these habits. We might look more to ourselves and what we're doing to make our situation better and take more responsibility for it. Each day we spend building this foundation of interdependency of partnerships. So when the challenging times come, as as they will, because that's the reality of this life, we're prepared to meet them from strength, from partnership, not from me, but from us. So it's really an important distinction we often are changing gears from living together to being married. And it's hard to change gears. We've literally grooved neuronal pathways into our, our, our brains, into our neurons, into the physiology and into the biochemistry of our neural network. And that doesn't shift so easily. Um, also, the final thought I have on this is that for some people, um, a certain percentage of people who choose to live together, they do that because they're 
predisposed to that. They're not prepared or capable of making a stronger commitment like that of marriage at this time. So, of course, there's a self-perpetuating piece. If you're not ready for that commitment, you may never be ready for that commitment. And so that also stacks the odds against you. So these are my thoughts on living together versus being married. Again, I don't have a big judgment on it one way or the other. It's up to you on what you want to do, how you want to do it. I'm here as a relationship coach, as a couples counselor to support you in your decision-making process. But this is some of the data that's there. And this wraps up today's Passion and Purpose podcast. I hope you've got some great content and stimulated some interesting thought and discussions in your life on this. If you've enjoyed the podcast and gained something from it, please review us at iTunes. Give us five stars or four stars or whatever you think and and write a few words as well as of what you got out of it because these reviews will keep us high in the rankings so that more people will find out about the Passion and Purpose podcast and listen and learn more. And remember, I blog about passion and purpose in relationship and in career, love and work, as Freud said, at my website, thepassiondoctor.com. And you can learn about more about uh, me and my, my relationship coaching work there. And if you are serious about wanting to work with me to create more passion and purpose in your life, I offer a complimentary 20-minute telephone consultation. You can call me to schedule that at 323-487-1140. That's 323-487-1140. So thank you so much. Remember, St. Valentine was a martyr. Don't you be. Don't let anyone else be in your life. Support them. I'm Dr. Adam Sheck. This is the Passion and Purpose Podcast. Thank you for listening. Live with passion and purpose. Purpose.